0: Good morning, church. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us come into the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad you're here today? Uh, worship was great. Thank you, worship team, for preparing our hearts and pointing us to Christ. Thank you for being here, giving every time. Thank you for coming in the door. I'm Johnny Granger, and I have the privilege and opportunity to be the Children's Ministry Director here at River Valley. When I was in school and I was teaching, I always envied the PE coaches, because they got to come to, to, to work in shorts and T-shirts and tennis shoes. But as the Children's Ministry Director, I get to play with toys. So I'm super excited about that. So everything has its benefits, right? This morning, I have a fidget spinner. Uh, and the reason I have it is because over in Go Kids today, we're doing Spin to Win. So every kid who comes in GoPort today gets a fidget spinner to take home, has a GoPort logo on it. So it's to use it as a tool to share the gospel, to invite their friends to church. It's an exciting time uh, for us in GoPort. Ask your children what they're learning because they should know and they should tell you. So it's exciting. When you came in today uh, through the doors, you had to, you had to come in a door, right? This morning when you got up, you had to walk through a door at some point, probably out of your bedroom or into the bathroom or into the kitchen, or you had to open the door to get out. We have doors every day in our life, and we expect doors to do what we want them to do, don't we? When we walk to a door, we expect it to open. How many of you have walked into the door because it was locked? Right? That's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's painful. Or how many of you opened the door and saw something you weren't expecting? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Your mom is coming home in 15 minutes. She's getting off early today and I gave you a list and that list isn't done. And when she comes in the door, if it's not done, I'm leaving. It's you and mom because I'll have something to do. So every day we engage doors. In our Christian walk, there are doors that we have to engage. And in Acts 10.34, the Bible says, if you want God and are ready to do as he says, the doors open. God is opening His door to us through the doors of His church, through the doors of His people, and the church isn't isn't a building. The church is us, and that door is open in and through us to share the gospel with those around us. You know, when I was um, studying the Bible as a young man, I got really confused about the children of Israel because it felt like that God just gave the gospel to Israel and it was exclusive. But as I've grown in my faith, I've come to realize that it wasn't given to the children of Israel for exclusivity. It was given for delivery, for them to deliver the gospel to the nations and to the world. And when people were seeking God, he found them. I think of Rahab the harlot. I think of Ruth. I think of different ones in the Bible, the Ethiopian eunuch, who were seeking God in darkness. And he sent someone to find them. He met them where they were and shared the gospel, and that gospel was taken to nations that had not heard it. Ruth became part of the bloodline of Christ because she sought God and he found her. I want to share three doors in our lives that we face. The first, the door of salvation. Second, the door of fear. And third, the door of faith. So my question for you today is, which door are you standing in front of? The first and most important door is the door of salvation. As Pastor Zeus already talked about that today, if you haven't come to know Christ, if you haven't asked him to be Lord and Savior of your life and surrendered your life to him, you're not part of his family. And you don't know what it means to live in fellowship with him. You might be a guest here today and you're enjoying the benefits of being here, and that's great. Just like we have guests in our home. Guests come into our home and they, we, we treat them with honor and respect, but, but they don't have the, 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 the right and the privilege of family. Family is a different level of responsibility, isn't it? When you're part of a family, there are different privileges, and with privilege comes responsibility. So my challenge for you today is: are you part of God's family? God has given you an offered a gift, and all you have to do is receive it. But you know what's even more amazing than that? It's not just out there for you to receive, He's pursuing you. He's not just waiting for you to act. He's pursuing. The Bible says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. If someone important was coming to your town, you'd be excited, wouldn't you? Think about the most famous person you've met. It might be an athlete. It might be a movie star. It might be a, a famous individual. I know Kimberly and Elizabeth and Benjamin were at the fair and they saw Eric Samuel Tim. And so Kimberly took a selfie, like, look, there's Eric Samuel, Tim. We know him. He's kind of important. So she took a selfie um, with him in the background. He doesn't even know he, she took a picture of him. But we respond to important people, don't we? We get excited. We feel stupid. We don't know what to say. Um, my wife took me for a birthday to see Hamlet with one of my favorite actors. We were super excited. And... Um, we, we watched the show, and afterwards I thought, you know, I'd I really kind of like to get his autograph. And so I went to the bookstore, and I said, hey, I'd like to get the autograph of one of the actors. Said, is that even possible? Like, oh, yeah, which one? I said, well, Ray Chambers. You wouldn't know who he is. He's a regional actor. And they said, oh, he's really great about that. Let me see if he's still in the building. And they called back, said, no, he's left the building, but if you leave your program and your name and address, he'll sign it and send it to you. I thought, okay, that's good. So I was doing that, signing it out, <clears throat> and then... She came back, the lady came back and said, Hey, he's, he's leaving the building right now. If you run, you can catch him. And we did the dumbest thing you could do. We started running. We started running to catch Rachel before he left the theater. And we're running, like, Hey, Mr. Chambers, Mr. Chambers, I just want to tell you, I enjoyed your performance, and I'd really love to get your autograph. That's all I said. Then my wife, my biggest fan, right? She goes, oh, he's a Shakespearean actor too. And he's done Hamlet. She starts giving all of my credits. I'm like, stop, shut up. Don't say that. We're saying all kinds of stupid things and he's being very gracious. And he signed my playbill. When he handed it back to me, it was like, to Johnny, best of friends, Ray. I was like, best of friends? I'm a biggest loser. We're not best friends. I'm his dinner story now. Hey, I met these idiot people at the theater when I was leaving. (laughs) But we got excited because I was gonna meet someone who was important to me. But what I just told you is the God of the universe is standing at your heart's door and he's knocking. And he wants to come in. And all we have to do is say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm insufficient. I, I want you to forgive me my sins. Come into my life and save me. And he says, I will come in and I will sup with you. I will sit and have dinner with you. There's something about going to someone's house and having dinner isn't there. It means you're not just a guest. You've you've moved into a place of honor, and you're part of the group. You've been accepted in. You know, my brother didn't understand that. He invited girls to dinner because he was lonely, and it was very confusing to him to and to them. And they would come thinking they were meeting the family, and he was just bored. Um, and after about the fourth death threat, we're like, no more girls to dinner unless you're engaged. Maybe not until you're married. No more. You can't bring them in because expectation is wrong. And sometimes we come into church and we sit idle. We sit idly and we feed off and we we try to absorb the religion or the religiosity. We feel good about ourselves, but we don't become part of God's family. And we miss the gospel. We miss the gospel in the very presence of the King. So that first door we have to consider is that door of salvation. My prayer is that each one of you have walked through that door and have received Christ as your savior and you're moving in your faith. Now, when we move in our faith, there are doors that we face. And some of those doors are doors of fear, and some of those doors are doors of faith. And I pray that your doors are doors of faith, but that the fear creeps in, doesn't it? Fear can creep in and take over, and it can cripple us. There are things that we're afraid of. I'm afraid of unstable heights. I don't mind high places, but I don't like them, and I don't embrace them. And I was working in college on the stage crew, and I was on... I was, I was terrified. I was on a tribeam beam and I was standing on a tribeam, beam <clears throat> which is three pieces of pipe m- melded together, hung by cables, and it swings. I was standing on a tribeam beam 25 feet in the air, and I was repairing a light, and with every ounce of my being, I was like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, God, I can do this, and my director thought it would be funny to scare me, and beside me were curtains on either side, and so he he paid two stage crew guys to run up to the, to the fly and to take those curtains up at the same time. So I'm standing still, and your blame plays tricks on you, doesn't it? Um, and when they took those curtains up, I thought I was falling. Because the curtains are going up, and I scream like a woman. No offense. I'm not being sexist. Ah! I was holding my ropes. And I, it was, it happened and I, as I said, and God forgive me, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And then he would not be down because he knew I was mad. I was like, mm, he's going to leave me until I calm down, which was the right thing to do, right? So sometimes we're afraid of things, and sometimes our fears are founded, and sometimes they're not. They're just, they're just things that the enemy throws against us, and we're not able to function. So what is it you're afraid of? In our Christian walk, we have to acknowledge who God is and know who he is to be able to overcome fear. You know, we all want to be on the winning team, don't we? Nobody wants to be on the losing team. Diehard fans stick to their team through bad seasons, bad seasons, bad, good seasons. Uh, Those fair weather friends, fans, or people like, oh, they're winning, I like them. But here's the thing. Jesus came to this earth, was born of a virgin, lived, died, and conquered death and hell for you. He paid the price, the victory's won. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in fear. So, so, what is it? I think the biggest thing we deal with are lies of the enemy. Yep. We believe the lies of the enemy and we become weak in our faith. Yep. This last year, most of you know I was an intern at the church and I was an intern um, because I was. Not just because I was unemployed. I thought I was going to a job in Pennsylvania. God closed the door, and there we were. It was the end of June. We our, our house was packed. We were ready to go, and Lord said, "No, this door is closing for you." And at the time, it was devastating. It was devastating, and I remember um, coming home and uh, talking to Kimberly and said, "Okay, but I got some news today, and it's not good news." But it's God's news. And I said, um, we were ready to move. I said, we have, then the first thing is, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, fear was right at the door, um, wanting to take over. I said, you know, we have budget for July. God's provided money for July. Let's pray through the month of July and see what God does. <clears throat> and so when we face fear, we have a choice to make. We can cave in to the lie of the enemy, or we can turn to the Lord. If we turn in, if we cave to the lie of the enemy, that door gets bigger and thicker and more terrifying. If we're, gonna, if we're gonna engage it, if we're gonna embrace it, we have to realize that God is bigger than that door and God's will is transcendent. We think of God's will as linear, point A to point B. That's not anywhere in the Bible. God's will is not a vocation. That's not in the Bible. God's will is a state of surrender, our heart to him. And if we're gonna live in God's will, we have to be surrendered regardless of circumstance. And sometimes circumstances are terrifying. And sometimes circumstances don't make sense. But God's ways transcend ours. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that God's ways are transcendent? And then we can't see what's next. When we can't see to our left or right, all we can do is look up and say, God, I'm trusting, I'm following you, I wanna get there. But the enemy comes in for attack. So how do we overcome that fear? How do we begin to embrace those doors? We approach it from a stance of faith. When I first started working on this, I had the idea that these were two different doors. But as I was praying through this and meditating on this over Friday and Saturday, I realized that the door of fear and the door of faith are the same. But it's our perspective and our ability to rely on Christ that changes what that door represents in our life. So if we're looking at a door of fear, we need to check with the author and the creator of the universe, because he's not the author of fear. He's the author of peace. And if we're at a place of unrest, we're in a place of fear, we're not resting in Christ. We're not. The Bible says that. It's a biblical directive. I'm not, I'm not getting onto you. I'm saying check your foundation. Check where your strength is. Check where your faith is. Now, how do, we, how do we strengthen our faith? How do we grow in our faith? How do we know if that door is the right door to go through? The Bible says there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. First John 4, 18. Christ is the embodiment of love perfected. He left heaven. He left his deity in essence to take on humanity. He never, he never left his deity, but he took on the form of a man in all aspects to come to this earth to be our earthly example, to pay the price for our salvation. He did that for us. He conquered death and hell, as I said before. He perfected love so that we can not live in fear, but live in the love of God, the love of Christ. And we can be, live in authority in that. But our faith has to be exercised. It's a muscle. It's like a muscle. And if we're going to grow in our faith, we have to be willing to take steps of faith, right? <clears throat> if we never take a step of faith, our faith isn't going to grow. Sometimes our biggest obstacle is comfort. We come to River Valley. It's a great church. There's good people here. They're doing something for God. They're growing. They're moving forward. I'm here. It's not enough. This morning in Goport, the kids are learning to be doers of the word, not hearers only. It's not enough to hear. We have to act on what we hear. We're accountable. When you become part of a family, there's a privilege and a responsibility. When you hear God's truth, you have to act on it. You can't just hear it. This summer, I had the privilege of going to kids' camp. If you've never been to kids camp, it is an experience. I challenge all of you to take a week off and be a counselor at camp. It will revolutionize your faith. <laughs> so it happened to one man. I was a color team pastor, and I had, I forget, I think 20 counselors and 20 junior counselors um, on my team. And there was one man, I was getting through my, my counselors, and he said, you know, I go to River Valley, and I, I don't we really serve. Um, they ask you to serve once a month. So I figured if I go to kids camp, I can get it all in one week. <laughs> And I'm praying for you, buddy. Um, we, we had little, little gift cards that we could give to counselors who were doing well or needed encouragement. He was my first encouragement because by Tuesday he was, he was done. And I was like, whew, maybe you'll go be on a life team and not come to kids camp next week. So it's a win win, right? So we need to exercise our faith. We need to take steps of faith. And we have open doors opportunity for you to do that. But, you know, we have to make choices. We have to make decisions in our life. And those decisions have to be based on God's word. How do we grow in our faith so that we can see a door of faith instead of a door of fear? First, I would say get into God's word. Get into God's word. Pastor Rob calls us to do so. Two chapters a day. It's not a big commitment of time. And as we read the Bible, it's not just reading. It's reading, thinking about it, making observations, applying it to life and praying over it and writing it down. There's something that's really powerful and meaningful when we go through that process. I know when I try to call that short, I just, I'm just going to read it because I got to go. It doesn't take hold as much. And I have a weak spot in my day. I was, I was talking with, with another pastor and said, if you start your day without fellowshipping with the God of the universe, which we have access to, you're believing a lie that you don't need to. Think about that for a minute. If you were training for something and your coach showed you to do something, you would do it. You would do it in a heartbeat. You would, we, we call it in the arts, conscientious neglect. If you want to be good, it's known that things have to go out of your life. Good isn't accidental. Good is purposeful. It's determined. It's a choice, and it's a lifestyle. And if we're going to be good and excel at what we do, we make choices to support that choice. So when I was in, in college and in high school and pursuing the arts, there were lots of things I didn't do socially because I wanted to win first place. I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be number one. I was driven. When I went to competition, I went to competition to win. I didn't go to competition to lose. My outfits, I saved money. I, I bought the right clothes. I had I borrowed a briefcase so I looked more professional. It was a prop, but it worked. You know what intimidating it is for a high school student to walk in with a briefcase? I filled it with things. I like Okay, what what would be in a briefcase? Legal pads, pens, a book. I should have books. Books, it was all a prop, but it worked. It was an intimidation, but I was gonna walk out of there giving everything that I had to be number one. And I won because I purposed and I followed up on that purpose. Do I apply that to my faith? That gets really humbling, doesn't it? Because I've got time for this. Oh, come on, Lord, catch up. One of the most humbling moments in my life, I was praying about the future. This was about three years ago. And I was working at Crown College. I was working against the system, trying to make something happen. And I was frustrated. I was becoming entitled. I was becoming confused. I was becoming frustrated. Are those emotions from the Spirit, from the Lord? No. They're emotions from the enemy. I was beginning to inflate myself. And I was trying to make my agenda work. And I was praying. I gave a prayer request. And someone said, I don't have any idea what you just said. Could you repeat that? And I remember the Holy Spirit paused and as if he put his hand on my shoulder and said, I, I, I spoke this, I said, I've had to realize the vision I have for communication the arts at Crown College is not, is not the Lord's, it's mine. And the Lord's asking me to take my hands off. I have to be willing to do that. I'd worked for that for Nine years. For nine years, I'd invested in that. I was moving forward, and the door, God was closing the door, and I was fighting it. I was fighting it because I wanted my purpose. I wanted my agenda. It was creating fear and confusion in my life, and I needed to surrender to his leading. I needed to surrender to his call. I needed to surrender to his will. You know what's interesting? At the same time, I've been praying about God bringing me toward ministry. God moved my life toward ministry. I've been praying that for a long period of time, and as he was doing it, I was so caught up in self that a door of faith became a door of fear. The door was right, but I saw it from the wrong perspective. So what's shaping your perspective today? What is it? Is it the truth of God's word? Or is it desires of your heart? There's nothing wrong with having desires. God says, delight yourself in him, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But when you start delighting in God, when you start delighting in him and making him priority, it's amazing what happens to those desires. Don't be afraid of that. We're afraid of that, aren't we? We're like, oh, God's going to take this away. You know what's interesting? The first time I was afraid that God was going to take theater out of my life, I went to my pastor and I said, you know, I'm living, I'm I'm pursuing this, and I think God's going to say no. And he said, why? Because that's the hard thing. And he said, you're an idiot. He was a pastor, so I guess he could say that. I was I guess you're right, sir. I'm an idiot. I don't know where it says that in the Bible, but I'm an idiot. <clears throat> he said, God's given you talent. He's given you ability. He's preparing you. He's training you. He's asking you to surrender so that he can bring you to where he wants you to be. He's not asking you to give something up. I was like, and just this last year, someone, someone called me out again because I said, I think God's asking me to, to give up drama, and I think he's going to take it away this time, and I'm not going to get it back. That's a fear statement, isn't it? I was looking at the door of faith, God saying, walk through this door and trust me, and I'm like, I don't know if I can, because I'm afraid of what that door might represent. And I was at a cohort meeting, and there was a man who was my age in ministry, um, and, and when you get 50 in ministry in this day and age, you kind of feel like, Am I done? You know, am I done? He's like, I'm 54. I'm doing 10 youth camps this summer. Back up, get on the bus and, and, and serve the Lord. He looked at me, and said, if God's giving you dramatic ability, use them for him. I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, yes, sir. I don't know what it is. And you know what's interesting? I, don't, I Yes, sir. I mean, but you know what's interesting? Throughout the course of this summer, God has begun to reveal, like at, at kids camp, God began to reveal through Pastor Aaron Sron, kids pastor at Apple Valley, um, his use of drama in kids ministry. And I think, you know, I can do that. I can take all the costumes I have, taking up space in my wife's house, um, and use them for, put them somewhere else for good use. You know, as I went to the Global Leadership Summit, I wasn't, ex- I was like, what is this? And at Willow Creek, they were using spoken word. They had a ministry for, for children who had special needs, and they used drama to bring them together. And I sat there, it tears in my eyes, watching these kids sing songs from The Lion King, all in costume. So proud of what they were doing. I thought, God, You can use what you put in my heart. I just have to surrender and trust you to use it in your time. When we're getting in God's word, we begin to sharpen our knowledge and understanding. Second, I would challenge you to have a spiritual mentor in your life. If you don't have one, get one. Because you need someone who is further along in their walk telling you, hey, that's good, hey, that's not. You you don't need someone who just affirms you. You need someone who will call you out and call you up. Someone who says, you know what? I see this in you and that's great. I see that, get rid of it get rid of it. I was, I was working at a church, and again, I was trying to fix something I shouldn't fix, and a mentor said, this is not your responsibility. Take it off your shoulders and walk away. Let God work in the people around you. You are hampering God's work in their life. Stop it. And I first, when he first said to me, I got offended. I was like, you know what you're talking about? You're not there. And the Holy Spirit said, no, he's not, but he's right. And I had to surrender. It is surrender and say, Lord, this is not my responsibility. It's your responsibility. Sometimes we have to get out of the way so God can work in someone else. I was leading a ministry team. I had a young man I wanted to be the leader the next year. And he was thinking about stepping out. And talk about selfish. I was prepared. I invited him to lunch for the sole reason of shaming him into being a leader again. I was going to take him to lunch, buy his lunch, make him feel bad, and use my power over him to get him to do what I wanted to do. Is that of the Lord? No, it's not. It's of Johnny Granger, and that's not God. That's me. On the way there, I got lost, which I always do. I have a terrible sense of direction. I'm okay to admit that. I'm a man who does, gets lost all the time, but I ask. I will ask for directions. It doesn't question my masculinity. It helps me get to where I need to be. Anyway, I got lost, and I was getting frustrated because I, I was no one to ask. And the Holy Spirit said, you know why I have you here? Because you're trying to force your agenda. Peter's mine. He's not yours. Let him go. I walked into lunch. I said, I came here to force you to, to be the leader of the worship team. Holy Spirit said not to. So I'm not. So we're just going to have lunch. I have no other agenda. So let's have lunch and fellowship. And if God wants you to do it, great. If he doesn't, that's okay. And he left. And he didn't. But you know what? There was someone in his shadow who needed to be called up. There was someone, because he stepped out of the way, God said, I want Ashton to lead this year, and I want him to lean on me, and I want him to grow. I had an agenda, because from my perspective, that's what I wanted. That's what I thought God wanted. God said, no, that's not what I want. This is what I want. So as we continue in our walk, we get into God's Word. We have spiritual mentors, but we still have to make choices. We have to make choices. Faith is a spiritual discipline. Now, I've just started working out again, and it's not fun. People who have runners high, a workout to feel good, I'm happy for you. That doesn't happen for me. I ran two and a half miles on Thursday and I ran two miles on Friday. And I hurt. Like there are steps in my house. And when I walk up the steps, I feel it from my ankles to my shoulders. I'm like, "Mm, no more steps, please. But we have choices. Choice number one. (laughs) Choice number two. Am I going to have donuts? They make me smile. (laughs) Am I going to have carrots? They don't make me smile. But when I go to work out which one is better for me? If I try to work out on the wrong fuel, my workout is unsuccessful. If I try to make faith-based decisions without the knowledge of God's word or without spiritual guidance, I go the wrong direction. You know, it's, it's funny we talk about this, but are we choosing God's word? Are we choosing a remote? Are we choosing God's word? Are we choosing social media? What is it that's distracting us from what God's trying to say to us? The Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. When we are quiet, we can listen and God can speak. And if we're one of his sons or daughters, we're part of his family, that door of faith that seems so scary, the door of fear, excuse me, becomes a door of faith. And although we may not know what's on the other side, God's calling us to take that step and we can know in faith and trust in him and what he's done in our life that he will reach out and take our hand and guide us through. So my question for you today is, what door are you standing in front of? Is it the door of salvation? Have you not yet become a member of God's family? Is there a door of fear in your life? If that is, I pray that you would surrender that fear to the creator of the universe, who is the God who lives in your heart, and say, Lord, I'm afraid. I don't even know why, but I want to trust you to show me, to guide me, and direct me. Or is it to do our faith that you just need to take that step and act on it? You know, I can want to work out. I can want to get in shape. But a desire isn't enough. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Because if I just desire to get in shape, I'll get into a shape. But not my desired shape. Okay? <laughs> the desire is great, but the result will, will, will fall short. And that so often shadows our success and our spiritual walk because we have the desire, but we're not acting on it. We say, God, where are you? You know, God never left. God has always been right by our side. He's knocking, he's waiting to take reins. And all we have to do is access. My love one, Pastor Dave, says, quit asking for God's presence, because it's already here. Access the power that God has promised to give you. And that's how you move forward in your faith. Let's pray. God, we come before you today and we just thank you that you are who you say you are. We thank you that as the God of the universe, you've chosen to pursue us and you've chosen to live in our hearts and our lives. God, I pray that if anyone here today has not yet made a commitment to you to be part of your family, I pray that they would come forward this morning and meet a prayer team member and say, I need to be in God's family. I wanna be part of what you're talking about. But Lord, if there's a door of fear, Lord, help us through the power of the Holy Spirit to say that God is not the author of fear, but the author, not the author of confusion, but of peace. And I want to live in peace that passes understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to walk in victory because of who you are, because of who you say you are. I want people to know that regardless of circumstance, I am a child of God and I know he is my provider. God, we love you and we need you we thank you that you met us here today and you will continue to meet us throughout the day and throughout the week as we minister, not in our strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit in your son's precious and holy name. We pray. Amen.